Let's ask Jesus to speak to us this morning. Can we do that? He wants to. And he wants us to ask. So in your mind, in your heart, or with your mouth, pray with me and agree with me. Father, you are a creative God. You created the world, and you created us. And when you speak, things come from nothing. And so removing ourselves from the equation, we ask that you penetrate our hearts, that you speak something from your word, from your spirit that goes deep into us so that we can bear fruit that is so much bigger and greater than us. And we ask for that because we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. When you do your cards, when you fill them out, there's buckets underneath the joy boxes in the back. So drop them in. And don't forget, because we want as many kids to get a card as possible. We are in Galatians this morning. And Rob told me to preach on Galatians chapter 4. So I decided to preach on Galatians chapter 5. Just kidding. But I do think Rob may want to teach more on Galatians 4 because I only made it seven verses and my mind was blown apart. There's no way I could teach on a a whole chapter of the Bible. So I've got seven verses for you. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. I want to unload it all with you so that we can have a better understanding of who God is and who we are. Do you feel ready? I feel ready. I feel excited. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I don't like the Bible apps on phones. You can't hear the pages turn. I don't know. I mean, if I'm using a Bible app on a phone, I'm going to start reading and then I'm going to switch halfway through and start playing words with friends. (laughs) I just can't do it. So every time you see me preach, I'm going to have my old from seventh grade taped up little Bible that I just can't seem to get rid of. Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, Paul writes this. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law. And I will add the basic principles of this world, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Now we get the whole law thing, Moses and the Ten Commandments and Levitical law, and we're set free from that. I think Paul is saying more. And that's what I want to start to unpack. There's a huge comparison 
Now, anytime somebody just starts reading the Bible and starts teaching out of the Bible, we all, I think, have these triggers of being five years old in church, hearing the pastor read out of the Bible and then talk for an hour and a half about it, and we just tune him out. I do that. So don't tune me out. We just read a part of Galatians that is cool, maybe a little bit confusing, and we're going to unload some of it. There is a huge comparison going on. You and me, you and I, were being compared to a child that has been given an estate, but they are still a child, and so they are under the rule and the authority of the trustees of that estate. So they have to do what those people say, the guardians. But we're only under this rule, this kid is only under this rule until his father deems him an adult. So Paul writes, until a time set by his father. Anyone following? Because we're going somewhere. I'm not just ending the sermon right there. Until a time set by his father. So in essence, this young man is responsible to obey trustees until it is decided that he's in charge. Once it's decided that he's in charge, he can do whatever he wants because the estate is now his. He could actually fire the guardians and the trustees because now he's in charge. You got it? Yeah? Some of you got it. Some of you are like, He just read out of the Bible and now he's talking. And I'm going to take a nap. Now the comparison, this comparison I think I wrote here is going to blow your mind. I really think it's going to blow your mind. The child is representative of who we are. Or no, who we were, not what we are. The child is representative of who we were, not what we are. Because very quickly, Paul makes this comparison that likewise God sent his son born of a woman, born under law, so that we would also become sons. So whatever this analogy is doing, us, doing, it's immediately, if you read it correctly, it's bringing us quickly into the place of sonship where we're not under the authority or the guardians or the trustees. Sometimes we read that and we think, I'm a child and I'm waiting. This, this analogy starts with you being sons. You were children until Jesus did his thing. Now, you're sons. You own the estate. The analogy begins with you owning the estate, but then understanding that at one point you did not own the estate. But you do now own the estate. Paul says, so also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem us that we might receive the full rights as sons. He just explains it that plainly. This is all about Jesus and what Jesus did. Now you're sons. You own the estate. You own it. The tricky part, and it's really not that tricky, but it was tricky to me because I've never read it like this until I was reading it yesterday, and I was like, wow, this makes sense. The child under the authority of the estate and those in it is now in charge of the estate. So what, we'll see if anyone can get this. 
What is the estate? Dun, 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 dun. Jeopardy. I did the Jeopardy thing. The estate is the world. He actually writes it. Uh, there it is. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. The estate is being compared to the world. A child is born into an estate. He is under the guardians and the trustees of that estate until he becomes a son, then he's in charge of the estate. You were born into a world and you are under the basic principles of the world until Jesus dies for you and then you become someone who has the full rights as sons, so now you own the world. And some of you go, no, 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 Rod, that's wrong. Theology is clear. The devil owns the world. And we're just waiting to be evacuated from it. The devil's the prince of the world, Rod. Here's what I would challenge you. When Satan went to God and did all that stuff with Job, and when he roams the world, some of that stuff in the Old Testament, Jesus hadn't died yet. That doesn't mean we don't have an enemy who's here and hates us. It just means he's not in charge anymore. Now, you might want to write this one down because I'm going to come back to it later. But I feel like now's a good time to kind of throw it out there for you to think about. I think part of the enemy's punishment before him and his angels get sent to the bottomless abyss or whatever you want to call it, hell, is to be in a world that he used to run and own and watch the people that he used to destroy and run and own and tell them what to do as if he was a guardian and a trustee now take that world back and give it back to God. You guys clapped and I didn't even have to ask for it. Because it's good. I think part of his punishment is to watch the people who he tried to destroy take it back from him because it now belongs to them because Jesus did his thing. We are now sons and we've been given the whole estate. That. Blows your mind, man. Now there's some serious implications there because we have people who've been given the whole estate walking around like they're children. Walking around as if the one who was the guardian or the trustees who's still telling them what to do, believing that they have to listen to him. And that gets pretty muddy and dangerous quickly. So I want to start with the premise that Paul started with. You are sons and daughters. You were children. You're sons and daughters. And you own this place. You own it. So what are principles of the world? That's a tricky one. I have some ideas. Transition. Take a drink of water. When I'm preaching, I use Brita water filters. <laughs> because Brita filters the water in such a way that it is smooth and cool and calms me and allows me to be refreshed. The river is now sponsored by Brita. 
Here's an example of some principles of this world. If you sin, you die. That's a principle of the world. If you sin, you die. Jesus broke that principle. You're all aware of that, right? Good. I don't, because that's a whole sermon if some of you are like, huh, what? That's new to me. If that is new to you, you can have a relationship with him. It'll change everything. Here's another basic principle of the world. This is a fun one. Gravity. Darn it. I thought I would take off when I jumped. We see Jesus ascending into heaven. Not operating by the principles of the world. How about this one? If you're dead, you have to stay dead. And Jesus walks in and rolls the stone away from his buddy Lazarus. Lazarus, come out! Jesus, he's dead. He can't hear you. Principle of the world, duh. Lazarus comes out. The one who died broke the principles of the world, and we're no longer under them. This is a fun one. Basic principle of the world. If you try to walk on water, you will sink. Now, there is a YouTube video of guys trying to walk on water, and they're actually doing it. I looked it up. They're not doing it. There's just a, a jut of land camera angle. I was like, it's possible. YouTube got me again. Here's another basic principle of the world. You guys know Jesus walked on water, right? I don't want to, if you didn't know that, I just want to fill you in. Five loaves of bread will feed about ten people. Five Americans. <laughs> five loaves of bread doesn't feed 5,000 men and their families. And yet, Jesus begins to break the bread. And after thanking his father, who's from another kingdom, operates on different principles. You get the idea, right? When we were born into this world, we were without any choice under the world and its basic principles, but God sent Jesus. He filled us with his spirit, and the rules began to change. Let me give you two examples. Last week, I'm walking around doing some street ministry. It's my favorite thing in the world to do other than celebrate my own birthday. <laughs> and we are walking around, and there's a woman sitting on a porch. And you know when you look at someone and they just give you that kind of glare? Like, if you even come close to me, because I know who you are. You wear the same white t-shirt every single week. You got the curly hair going on. I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to. And we just don't really operate by those principles of the stay away from me because I'm giving you death glare, worldly principle. Walk up on the woman's porch. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. Good. Then the Lord says, Peace. Hear the word peace. So I sit down on her porch and I say, I just want to bless this house with peace. 
She gets up, yes, we need some peace. She comes over, she grabs my hand, she grabs my hand. We're in a circle where she's ready to pray. I'm like, okay. We're going to bless this house with peace. We start praying. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on Susie. Just like it's done in heaven. She starts to cry a little bit. And I hear, I hear the Lord say, you, you should probably have her sit down. I say, Susie, I think you need to sit down on the porch. She sits down. Put my hand on her back. And start telling her things about her life that she didn't know I knew. What's that called, anyone? It's called prophetic. It's called when the Lord begins to put crazy thoughts in your head and you feel like it's going to be really embarrassing if you share them. Now, here, some of you obviously think God doesn't speak to you. I'm going to give you a little litmus test real quick. Are you ready for it? If you have a thought come into your head that you don't want to do, then it's not from you. That's good. If you have something come in your head that you don't want to do, it's not from you. It's from one of two places. It's from the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of darkness. And now you just have to measure fruit. Should I go kick that person in the face? <laughs> kingdom of darkness. Good? We good? And so I start to just listen to the Lord, and she starts weeping. And I got my team there with me, and she's just, she's just crying. And the Lord says, tell her she's pure. And I say, the Lord is telling you, Susie, you are pure. And tears are rolling down her face. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And I'm like, hold up, I just told you you were pure. So I have to interrupt her, and I say, hold on, I thank you for asking God to forgive you. He just said you're pure. If God says the door is blue, the door is blue, Susie. He said you're pure. So quit, quit asking for forgiveness like you're dirty. She's like, okay. She starts to feel peace. We do this for probably 20 minutes. And it's just awesome. By the end of it, we're hugging. By the end of it, she's praying for one of our street ministers and he's crying. Because she found out that God made her a daughter of God too and she didn't operate by the basic principles of the world which was if this group of people comes up and starts praying for me, I obviously can't pray back for them because I'm less than them or whatever. All those lies we hear. And now he's crying and everybody's impacted by the Spirit of God. Basic principle of the world. When life is crashing down on you and you hide and don't tell anyone, you are alone and out of luck. God principle. God can tell a random stranger walking by your front porch a bunch of stuff about your life that no one could know so that you could know there's a God in the universe who sees you, loves you, and promises to take care of you. That's a different principle. That's the principle we were operating by. Here's another story. Having a cookout two weeks ago. Hot dogs. Love hot dogs. They say the average person eats like eight hot dogs a day or something. It's like the national average. None of you eat eight hot dogs a day. I get it. I curb that national average. 
I'm the one who makes that average possible. Hebrew Nationals, can't beat them. You, we, could, we could talk about hot dogs. Come talk. He thinks Nathan's is good. Nathan's is good at the movies, Dan. There's a place and a time for things. Context. Don't go there with me. Hebrew Nationals do dry out quickly, so don't cook them long. We're having a hot dog cookout, and a girl is across the street, and she is a drama queen. I can't cross the street. My foot hurts. Okay, then I guess you can't get a hot dog. She limps across the street. I've got to get a hot dog. I need a hot dog. I know Rod only buys the best hot dogs. This is my one chance. And so my friend Anthony sees her, and he goes, Is your foot hurting? Yeah, uh, let me pray for it. Okay. She's got her friends around her. Her friends don't care. They're texting. Anthony prays, Lord, let your kingdom come. I speak to that foot in the name of Jesus because I don't operate by the principles of the world. I'm sure he didn't say it like this, but for the sake of the sermon, I'm telling you how I wish he would have said it so you will agree with me by the time I'm done. I don't operate by the principles of this world, so foot in the name of Jesus, I command you to be well. Let your kingdom come, Father. There's no hurt foots in heaven. And the girl goes, she starts freaking out. I love it when people start freaking out. It's fun. Again, I'm not chasing after these miracles. I just want people to know that the God of the universe loves them. And her foot's better. And she's like, my foot's better. My friend, she starts telling her friend. Her friend's like, I don't care. I don't care. But this girl sees that the creator of the universe loves her and she's freaking out. Basic principle of the world, if your foot is hurt, it will take time to heal. God's principle. No, it won't. No, it won't. Amen. I got some amens. I feel good about amens. I want to, I, I could be a Pentecostal preacher. I'm not going to run down the aisles yelling fire at any of you, but... You have to understand that when you become a son and a daughter of God, you become owners of the estate, and the estate is the world. We have to start acting like we own this place, instead of acting like we are under the trustees of this place, because the trustees are no longer the trustees, they're under you, and I believe the trustees, the enemy has been placed here as part of his punishment, like I said earlier, to watch us take this place back and give it to God. That would not be a fun thing. Amen. I love it. We're becoming encouragers in preaching. Rob's done a good job coaching you guys, man. Two final thoughts. Sonship means we own the estate, and at the same time, we are still heirs. We're still heirs. Verse 6 and 7 says this, Because you are sons, God sent sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba being the word that a little boy would use to call his dad. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. That feels a little bit confusing. I feel like I'm still an heir to the estate, but Paul just said I own the estate. 
So what am I an heir to? Don't be confused here. I think Paul's doing something really profound. You have the full power and authority in this place to not be slowed down by the principles of this world and at the same time you are an heir to the kingdom of heaven. You got it? Yeah, you're like, she's like, I knew that. Telling everybody around her. I would too. I do that same thing when Rob's preaching. I knew it. It was Romans. You are an heir to the kingdom of heaven, meaning, now you've got to follow me real close here, okay? Really closely, even if you've disagreed with everything I've said. You can email me about it. One day we will fully inherit God's kingdom, and we will be free to do whatever we want there also. But this is where it gets interesting to me. Jesus tells us to pray and ask for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And then he commissions his disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to make disciples of all nations. Now, I was intrigued by a story about a prodigal son, and I understand the implications of that story. But the son went to the father and said, I want my inheritance now. And the father gave it to him, and then he got himself in a big mess of trouble, right? But if Jesus is telling us to ask for the kingdom of heaven and the will of God to be done in this place, just like it's done in heaven, and he's commissioning us to heal the sick, raise the dead, and to disciple all the nations, then he is asking us, I believe, to ask him for our inheritance now. Oh no, he went there. I believe God is asking us to ask for our inheritance now. To begin calling heaven into every single corner of our existence we can find to witness God radically changing the lives of everyone around us because contrary to popular opinion, this planet is not a waiting room we have been placed temporarily on to be rescued from. The king of the universe is going to bring his heaven to this earth and we're called to be part of it all. My friend Aaron he does some street ministry with us. He walks up to what I believe was a gang of men standing on a porch. And he has the most, like, he's a Marine, so he could rip both your arms off if he wanted in one foul swoop. He wouldn't, but I'm pretty sure he could. He goes and he stands in front of these, these men And one of them starts yelling at him, be gone, get out of here, we don't want you here, be gone, go, get out of here, leave. And do you know what he does? He stands right there in the grass, and he smiles, and he says, is there anything any of you need prayer for? Get out of here. Be gone. We don't want you here. We take care of ourselves. We pray for ourselves. Leave. Go. Be gone. Go. Like someone's saying, be gone. 
what the heck? We're not casting out demons here. I mean, we might be in a little bit, but it would be reversed. And Aaron says, is there anything I can pray for? He probably stands there for a good two minutes. And eventually one of the younger guy goes, guys goes, yes, you, you can pray for my family or my mom. Aaron then comes closer to the porch. Because it's his estate. It's his. And he puts his hand on this man. He starts to pray. Puts his arm around him. They pray. The guy is so thankful by the end of it. The man who was yelling at Aaron has tears in his eyes. And is saying, thank you so much for coming here. Thank you for doing this. And we leave and I say, hey, will you guys pray for us while we're out? Because we're going to keep doing this. Yes, we will. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to understand that when you become a son and daughter of God, you become owners of the estate and heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And our job, I believe God has commissioned us to ask for our inheritance now. And I think it's okay that we ask for our inheritance now because I don't think you run out of stuff in heaven. So God's like, yeah, you can have your full inheritance now, Rod. And you can have your full inheritance later. So if you ask for it now, I'll give you two full inheritances. You want that? Yes, I do. Absolutely I do. This is impacting to your life. This is really impacting to your life. Final thought. Isaiah 66, 8. You can look it up if you want. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just giving you the verse. I want to tell you something about God that you may not know. God doesn't just think about individuals. I understand his eye is on the sparrow. I understand that he's going to take care of us. And he loves us and he can see all things and he can be everywhere. He does not just think about individuals. God, are you ready? Thinks about entire nations. And he thinks about entire cities. And he would ask the question, can a nation be moved in a day? God thinks about entire people groups coming to him. Entire lands knowing his kingdom. Entire cities falling on their knees before him so that there's no more fatherless. He can fill that gap. So that there's no more violence. He can bring his kingdom of peace. And so that the things that are under the basic principles of the world cease to rule. Only heaven. Only heaven rules. Now to me, this changes everything. And it should change the way I think. Because if I stop conforming to the patterns of the world and I let God transform me by changing the way I think, by beginning to understand the way that He thinks, then I'm going to start to think in terms of, okay, God, 
Have you given me Kalamazoo? Have you given me the entire city of Kalamazoo to be brought to Christ? Have you given the river the entire north side of Kalamazoo, the entire city of Kalamazoo, that if, if we would only be intentional, intentional with the way that we think, intentional with the way that we work with the things God is saying us, and risk takers with who we are and what we're hearing God speak, that the entire city would begin to be changed. I believe yes, and I also believe I'm preaching something that's never happened before. But why wouldn't I? Why would I not? Can a nation be moved in a day? God asks, yes it can. If my people will understand and humble themselves enough to understand that they are sons and daughters, they own the estate, they are heirs to my kingdom, they can ask for that inheritance, they can call it down to this world, and I will do the miracles, they just have to be the ones who distribute that stuff. That's the call. It's a big call. But it's not a, you better do this call. It's a check yourself, man. Just look in the mirror for one second and say, who am I? God, if I'm really a son and a daughter, if I really own this place, if I'm really an heir to your kingdom, then I am responsible to bring it and continue to ask you to bring it with every single person I encounter. And it gets awkward, guys. I was riding my bike into church this morning. I rode by these people. They were sitting in their car. God said, turn around. I want you to go bless them with joy. Oh, my goodness. You know you're preaching on this this morning, right, Rod? Yep. I turn around. I ride my bike right up to their car. I say, I think the Lord wants me to bless you guys with joy this morning. Can I pray with you? Absolutely. And we pray and they get blessed with joy. And then I leave. Because now it's God's kingdom. That's another part that's been added. So if I'm an owner of this world in this city, my job's to give it over to God, and he's showed us how to do that. Let this ruminate in your heart and your mind. Let this word not be a good idea that sits on top of the soil and is not wrapped around with your lifestyle and then snatched away because you don't fully understand it. Let it be something that goes in deep. And I promise you it will produce a crop that is so much bigger than you. hundred times. Father, thank you so much for giving us this call. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for making us sons and daughters of God and heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And we confess we have not been acting like we own this place and we turn 180 degrees and we will act like we are. We will be who we are. We, thank you, Stephanie. We will be who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.